Yeah, there we go. Okay, so our final night, Rivers in the Wasteland. And today we're going to be talking mostly about the rivers. Any of you guys been to, thank you, thank you, you remembered. I'm touched, really, I am. (laughs) Any of you guys been to the river this week? You went down there to the water? Ah, y'all were ready. (laughs) Well, today we're going to be looking at a particular one of those in Scripture. And now you guys are going to have me avoiding the word that makes you do that noise. River. (laughs) You got me. You got me. That was good. All right. So um, I wanted to look at our Scripture today in the New Living Translation, which I think is okay because I saw y'all's theme Scripture in the New Living Translation. We're going to look at at Ezekiel chapter 47, I believe, 47, right? 5 through 7 in the NLT. So verse 3, or is that a 3? I'm not sure what that is. So verse 3, measuring as he went, it's in your notes, you've got it. He took me along the stream for 1,750 feet and then led me across. Now this is Ezekiel in a vision being led by the hand, by an angel, to a metaphorical symbol that we're going to discuss tonight. So now that you're kind of up to speed, it's like watching one of those superhero movies, and you kind of have to know, okay, so this person here and in the other movie, and you don't know about this, but now that you're here so we can move forward with the movie, this is Ezekiel's vision. Measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for 1,750 feet, And then led me across. The water was up to my ankles. How many of you guys are wearing ankle socks? All right. So it was about that high. Number four, he measured off another 1,750 feet and led me across. Again, this time, the water was up to my knees. Does anyone here still wear like knee-high socks? My dad used to in the 70s. It's like a thing. Yeah. Then we go further. After another 1,750 feet, it was up to my waist. Who in here is wearing a belt? Yeah, it's on your waist. That high. Verse 5, then he measured another 1,750 feet, and the river was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. As my Catholic friends would say, this is the word of the Lord. So I have some fun facts for you guys that I looked up on the National Transportation and Safety Board, the NTSB. And uh, turn around, don't drown. You guys ever heard that before? Whenever there's flash flooding or you're driving and there's a sign that says, watch for water on road. You know what I'm talking about? Because I know that not all of you guys are driving. But here are some interesting facts. It only takes six inches of rushing water to knock down a full-grown adult. How many of you are full-grown adults? All right. Six inches of rushing water will take you out. I think we had a discussion about this, about how much water it takes to drown. 12 inches will carry away an entire car. That's wild. Yeah, crazy. And then 24 inches of rushing water will carry away a truck, or a sport utility vehicle. That's only two feet of water. That's only two feet of water. It will carry away an entire truck because the force of the water is so powerful. 
So I'm going to pause here. We're talking about the Bible, but I'm going to introduce you through a story, a little story time with Mr. Six Toes. I used to throw up this sign with my students. I'm like, all right, guys, we're going to pause. It's time for story time with Six Toes because it's a, that's an S, see? Or is it, is this an S to you guys? It's okay, the other way, because it's backwards. It's like the, whenever you watch a video and their shirts are backwards. So story time with Six Toes. So uh, six years ago, this guy was in my freshman English class, and he was a bit of a thug. Like, he kind of had that thug walk, you know what I'm talking about? And he had that one gold chain. He didn't have any gold teeth, but he was like a bad man. You know what I'm saying? And that was like his thing. And I'm like, hey, you? And he's like, what's up? And so we had this rapport. We had this relationship, he and I, together. And I gradually was able to coax him to do some stuff in class. You know, we would talk about different things, you know, we talk about music, we talk about sport, talk about how it's hard growing up in the hood. No, I, I grew up on a ranch. I don't know about living in the hood. But he and I had this student-teacher relationship. I was able to kind of coax him into following directions, not stabbing his neighbor. Like, we had a good working relationship, you know, me and this guy. And so one day, I decided to kind of walk up to the ATM of our relationship and make a withdrawal and ask him to do something for me. I said his name. I said, why don't you read the second paragraph for us? Because we were doing that popcorn read thing that your teacher makes you do to make sure no one's not paying attention because you never know when they're going to call on you. And if you're not paying attention, that's when the teacher gets you. I love being a teacher. So anyways, this guy, we had a really good relationship. We had just been talking about sports or the weather or whatever. And I said, why don't you read paragraph two? And he says, nah gracious me? Insubordination? What is this? And so, I, you know, I try to coax him into it. And you're like, oh, come on, man. You know, it's just, it's the shortest paragraph. I saved it just for you. And he's like, nah, man. A little more forceful this time. And I didn't know how to deal with this because up until this point, we had a pretty good relationship. You know, we would work together. He would let me know like, hey, I got to go. I'll check on my moms real quick. I'll be right back. So he would, you know, see how his mother was doing in the hallway, and then come back inside and take care of things. He wasn't disruptive, but we were starting to encounter a problem. And I asked him one more time. I said his name. I said, come on, man. I need you to do this. And he looked at me strangely. Now, six years ago, I had only been teaching for two years. And there were some things that I still had to learn as a teacher. And the way that he looked at me, there was something about it. Like he wasn't loquacious by any stretch of the imagination, but his eyes were telling me something. They were telling me, don't make me do this. I had put him in a corner. If you've ever seen like a cornered animal, they're dangerous because they can't see a way out. And they're like... I'm going to have to fight my way out of this. And so by calling him out in front of all the kids, I thought I was inviting him to do something amazing and cool and fun. But from his perspective, he was saying, don't ask me to do this. I don't don't know if I can do this. I don't want to look stupid in front of these 25 other kids because I've got my reputation to maintain, and I don't know if I'm able to do this. Now, he didn't say a word along those lines, but his eyes, I still remember them six years later. His eyes told me the whole story. 
His eyes told me, Mr. Sixos, don't ask me to do this because I don't have a supporting structure that has challenged me to step outside of my comfort zone. I do what I'm good at and I stay in my lane. Don't ask me to be excellent because no one's ever shown me how. All he said was no, but I heard him. So I backed off. We worked on it. Later on, I was able to get him to take steps that he was comfortable with. Because in that moment, what was most important was our relationship. Not that I'm the boss and I know you're not going to tell me no, right? And he was waiting for it. He was anticipating that I was going to enter into a power struggle because what I knew about him is that he was used to the struggle. There's a song that I've listened to in the past, and it's called Dear Mr. Christian by Lecrae, Derek Minor, and an artist, D1. And he says, I ain't got no role models. I just know the struggle. And that's what I found out about that young man on that day when I asked him to read paragraph two. He didn't trust me enough. It wasn't going to hurt him, right? Paragraph two was not, okay, let me see. What does paragraph two say? Oh, mm, no, that's horrible. I can't read that. It's just a front to my conscience. There was nothing that I was asking him to do that was going to hurt him, but he didn't trust me enough to take that step. We weren't there yet. Now, I continued to work with him. Eventually, we did reach the point where we could take that step, but he didn't want to lose. We talked about it today. Control. He had to maintain his image. He couldn't be seen as anything weak, timid, uneducated. And I made him uncomfortable. And it wasn't about a power struggle. How dare you? I'm, I'm Mr. Sixtos, 2016 Texas Teacher of the Year State Semifinalist. Don't you know who I am? It wasn't about me. I just wanted what was best for him. But he didn't trust me enough. And here's tonight's question. Are you willing to be swept away? Many of us love God, but we want to maintain the illusion of control. Shout out to my 45-second hula hoop balancer. Where are you at? Raise your hand. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. We wrestled with that today in biblical foundations about how we have to work together with everyone and sometimes we think we can handle things on our own but it just works better when we go hand in hand and tackle the task together but many times we act just like that student of mine God asks us hey would you come a little deeper you're like oh okay God all right okay and then God says hey why don't you come a little deeper with me. I'm here. I'm with you. I'm not asking you to do anything crazy. I'm not going to ask you to do something that's going to be bad for you, that's going to hurt you, because I love you and I care about you so much. You say, okay, God. Uh, okay. And he says, why don't you come a little deeper? And you say, no. I can't. This is, this is it for me. Because if I go a little deeper, God, I'm going to lose control. And what we're telling God is, I don't trust you enough. See, we, we have a way that we say, God, I love you so much, but I only trust you this much. 
I love you so much that I signed up for Eagle Ridge, but I'll clap and not go to the altar when I feel that you're tugging on my heart. God, I love you so much that I'm going to go to youth group all the time, but I don't trust you enough to invite my friends because that's awkward. I don't, I don't trust you enough to give you control. I'll go ankle deep with you, God. You know what? I'm, I'm a senior, Eagle Ridge. I'll go knee deep. Yeah, that's right. But when it gets to our knees, when he calls us to our knees, maybe that's where we draw the line. When it gets to our waist, when it gets too deep to be in control, we start to freak out. Just like that student. He didn't hate me. I didn't hate him. I wasn't trying to embarrass him. I didn't have anything in mind for him but good things. I guess you could say I knew the thoughts that I thought towards him to prosper him, give him a future and a hope and a good grade. But he didn't trust me enough. And that stuck with me for a long time because I've worked with thousands of children over eight years of public education. And it's never about the authority. It's never about the aptitude. It's never about writing. It's all about trust. And tonight's question, am I willing to be swept away? Because once you're in too deep, it's no longer up to you. And that's the question you have to ask yourself tonight. We have had such an amazing time this week. We've had fun. We've been crazy. We've been silly. We've been real. We've been honest. And we have experienced God moving in our hearts. Each and every one of you, I see it in your eyes. You don't have to tell me a thing. I don't know most of your names, but just looking in your eyes, I can see that God's working inside of you. For many of you, that's a familiar feeling. You have a relationship with God. Oh, yeah, I love going to Eagle Ridge. I encounter God. It's great. We want to experience the river, but we want to keep our feet on the ground. We want to decide what we're willing to give up. So God isn't asking us to pencil him in to our calendar. God is asking us to hand over the entire planner. He's not asking to create a profile as a guest user. This is my confession. My cousin gave me her Netflix password. So whenever I log in, it says, who's watching? And so there's my cousin and her mom and her brother. And there, a little penguin in a circle. It says, cousin Jonathan. And that's me. But I'm not the administrator. I'm just a guest. I'm not the one in control. You see, many of us were like, God, I want to trust you with my whole heart. So here's my Netflix password, but you're a guest user. He doesn't want to be a guest user in our lives. He wants to be the administrator. He wants you to trust him. And the only way that that's going to happen is if we surrender the illusion that we were in control in the first place. We are not in control. None of us chose to be born, and here we are. You don't choose 
the style of your hair. Mine's kind of curly. It's a little poofy right now because of the humidity. You don't get to choose the color of your skin. You don't get to choose your socioeconomic background. There's a lot of things in this world that we don't get to choose, and the things that we do get to choose, we really hold on to them. Students at your age, you crave independence. You love when you get that first cell phone. You love being able to pick out your own outfits. No judgment, right? Your kids. You love being independent, and that's good. We talked earlier this week about God's gift of individuality. All of you have your own gifts, your own talents, your own callings. But in order to get there, we're going to have to give up control, and that's a scary thing. Because when you give up control, you don't choose when to stop. And some of us are like, yeah, you know, I'll surrender to God. But when school starts again, I got to get back to the way that it was. You know what I'm saying? Like when when practice starts up again and I'm with my boys and we're in the locker room and we got, you don't understand. I got to be in control. But God's calling us to something deeper, something better something more powerful. God is calling us to minister to others. We talked last night about how God uses our time in the desert to prepare us to minister to others, but we have to be able to surrender control. I want you to just kind of, we've been practicing meditation and reflection this week. I want you to think about what it is in your heart that you haven't yet given to God. Because anything that you hold back from God, we talked about idolatry. Say, God, I want to worship you, but I need to keep this. I want to hold on to this bad habit that I'm just, I'm not ready to give that up yet. God, I want to trust you, but I'm going to hold on to this pain. Things have happened in my life, and and I'm not ready to, to give that up because that means opening up the wound and putting some disinfectant in there, and that stuff burns. Any of you guys who have been to the the Gaga pit know about that, right? You got an open wound, you put some stuff in there, and it's good for you, but, oh, it burns. And some of us need to surrender those hurts to God so that he can clean them out and then heal them. Some of us need to allow him to attend to our needs. But that's too scary. But God, I, I, I don't, I don't want to cry in front of anybody at Eagle Ridge. They're going to think I'm weird. They're going to think I'm, I don't know, full of demons or come from a bad home or something. No. God just wants you to be honest with him so that he can take you deeper. When I was a wee lad learning how to swim in the shallow, dirty pools of South Texas, my mother was teaching me how to float on my back. And so I love floating on my back so long as my little toe touched the ground. So my little toes were touching the ground. And she's like, okay, put your arms out. So I put my arms out. And she'd go, okay, put your legs up. So I put one leg up. And she'd go, okay, put the other leg up. And then I did that thing that little kids do whenever they're scared and they're trying to say no, but it's almost like a puppy. And they're like, no. You know what I'm talking about? Like you want to take something from a little kid. They're like, no. And so that was me. And she goes, no, I'm not going to let you drown. I'm like, why do we got to go straight to drown? Like, that's very drastic, you know? How about like, I, mijo, I'm here. I'm watching over you. I'm taking care of you. I love you. No, it's like, you're not going to die. Thanks, mom. That's a real confidence builder. 
And so sure enough, she was taking me deeper and deeper. And then my little toe was like, where's the bottom? Where's the bottom? And she's like, look, if you struggle, you're going to drown. And like, you're, who taught you how to parent? <laughs> little, little five, six-year-old me. And here I am like wanting to schedule our appointment on the Dr. Phil show. Like, this is the woman that almost drowned me. But sure enough, once I was no longer able to feel the bottom, I had no choice but to follow instructions. I had no choice but to trust those firm, steady hands. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I needed that. See, if I never allowed my mom to teach me how to swim by surrendering control, I never would have developed. I never would have grown to the point where I could swim on my own. And many of us need to surrender our lives and our plans to God to the point that when we are living on our own, we can handle it. Because if your faith is always, well, so-and-so has to pray for me or I need to get pastor so-and-so to pray for me, man, the way that they pray is so powerful, that tells me, You don't know how to go to God for yourself. You don't trust him enough to communicate authentically. And you guys are not some wannabe thug sitting in the corner of a classroom. God does not look at your outward appearance. And whoever you're pretending to be in elementary or junior high or high school, he knows who you really, really are. And you don't have to hide that from him. If he's calling you to something and you feel that calling, you don't have to be scared like five-year-old me. No, because he's not going to let you drown. And that's what our scripture says. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. See, the thing about Ezekiel being led by the angel who was given an assignment by God, he never mentions drowning. He never shows that he was afraid because God is going to call us to some daunting tasks, but he's always with us. The psalmist King David put it this way, even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. That's trust. That's looking at God and saying, you know what, God? At this point, I'm no longer in control of what you want me to do. I'm no longer in control of where I go to college. I'm no longer in control of the career that interests me. I'm no longer in control of the person I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. I'm no longer in control of how you're calling me to minister to the body of Christ. And we're simply admitting that he knows what's best. Because if we try and maintain the illusion of control, we're very dangerously close to when Satan said, I will exalt my throne above the most high. Because if you tell God, I don't want you to tell me what to do, you're saying, I know better than you. Of course, we would never say that out loud with our mouths. We would never look God in the face and say, nice try, God. E for effort. Of course not. We understand who he is. We felt him moving in our hearts this entire week. Many of us were touched. Many of us were inspired. Many of us drew closer to him. But tonight, 
before we go home, before we have the ice cream, before you return from whence you came, you need to decide. Are you going to trust God? Are you willing to be swept away? What is it that we're holding back? What is it that we're not willing to let go of? What is it that we know God has called us to do, but we're sitting there a little too scared with a little too small level of trust and saying, nah, don't ask me to do that. I don't know if I can. I don't know if you're going to hold me up. I'm too scared to drown, God. I don't trust you. And it's okay to be honest. I tell my youth students, always question your faith, but don't doubt your faith. Because a question looks for an answer, and a doubt doesn't care what the answer is. It doesn't believe it anyway. Questions are good. It's good to question God, because that means you're conversing with him. You're talking with him. You're seeking him. He's not called questioning, Thomas. Nah, Jesus didn't rise from the dead. They didn't nail his hands. They didn't nail his feet. I don't believe it. And then Jesus shows up and he's like, bruh. He wasn't questioning Thomas. He was doubting Thomas. We can question God. I was questioning my mother the whole way. Are you sure? Are you sure? Am I going to die? And then, of course, I had to make sure I had my salvation because I'm like, if I drown, I don't want to go to hell. I'm only six years old. Think of all the things that I've done wrong. We can trust God. You can question God as he's leading you. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a conversation. But we have to surrender our illusion of control. God is sovereign. God created the heavens and the earth. We looked at the leaves this week. We remembered that we're his masterpiece, the pinnacle of creation. He wasn't done until he created mankind. Men and women, he created them in his image. And then he said, yeah. That's good. And you can believe that the God who created you has a plan for you. We just have to follow that plan even when we can't touch bottom anymore. So tonight, as we wrap things up, I want to pray a little bit of a scary prayer over you. And it's up to you whether or not you're going to receive it. I'm not going to ask you to come up front. We're not going to have... uh, bold declarations of faith, but I want you in your heart, a conversation between you and God to make a decision tonight. So I'm going to pray for you. Bethany's going to come up and lead us in a song in a little bit that is a song of surrender, but you have to decide what the rest of this year is going to be like, whether this was just another camp or if this was the camp that you let go and were willing to be swept away. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Lord, we are so thankful for your word, that we've received your word, we've received your love this week, we have received your direction, your instruction, your reproof, all the things that the word of God is beneficial to us for. And God, you know the things that we're struggling with. You know the things that we haven't told anybody about. You know the things that we're too scared to talk to you about. The fears. You know the plans that we have. God, tonight, help us to be brave enough to surrender. Help us 
to trust you enough to follow you a little bit deeper. We've been talking all week long about rivers in a wasteland. And God, tonight we choose to trust you enough to let go, to surrender to what you have for our lives. We know that your hands are going to hold us. You won't let us drown. You won't let us down. But God, it can be very scary. Holy Spirit, comfort our hearts. Continue to lead us and guide us into all truth, even if that truth takes us further than we anticipated. God, we trust you. We love you. Tonight, we surrender everything to your plan. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.